0: Hi, this is Jo Shere. I am the host of this podcast, My Hypothyroidism Journey. Did you know that you can support my podcast? There are three different levels that you can support my podcast. We have a 99 percent per month contribution, we have a $4.99 per month contribution, and we have a $9.99 per month contribution. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to my hypothyroidism journey podcast. I am dropping new episodes in the month of April. I took a little bit of a hiatus in March, um, just because there's a lot going on with the coronavirus, COVID-19 thing and trying to figure out a new normal with that. So, with that being said, um, I want to go ahead and just dive into this episode. Uh, I want to talk about risk factors for hypothyroidism and some of the things that you should take into account when you are um, thinking that you need to go get tested. Um. I also want to talk about like environmental factors and um, uh, other uh, things such as uh, family history and whatnot. So, there is a family history of thyroid problems in my family. Um, the woman that gave birth to me was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. And at first, I kind of poo-pooed that off because I was just like, "Well, I, I there's, I you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm never ever going to be hypothyroid." But um, yes, uh, there is a chance for you to become hypo if you have a already have a family history of thyroid problems. Uh, personal history of thyroid problems or irregularities um, that really I, I that doesn't really apply to me per se um, but I did notice um, as I've said in the past that I have had i i thought I was having some problems with my thyroid but Um, trying to get it tested at the time when I thought I was having problems, I, um, wasn't having any luck with that. So, um, I, I couldn't control what I didn't know about or wasn't being allowed to be, uh, aware of at that point. And again, I'm just going through some of the stuff that uh, pertains to me, uh, that might pertain to other people. Um, I'm, again, going out of this book that has actually become my Bible. Um, It's called Living Well with Hypothyroidism. What Your Doctor Doesn't Tell You That You Need to Know. And it's written by Mary J. Showman. S-H-O-M-O-N. And you can get this on Amazon. Um, That's where I got this. And two other books that I used to check out from the local library here. And I was just like, well, you know, at one point in time I had the money. And I decided that I was just going to go ahead and get these three books and that way I could have them at home. Uh I will here in a minute I will share the title at the end of this podcast episode I will share with you the title of the other two books. I think I've shared them with other shared them in other podcasts but um I will share them again. Um Anyway, getting back into it. Um, if you have a family history of insulin dependent type one diabetes, I do have a family history of that in my family. My great aunt Dorothy on my grandmother's side, uh, maternal grandmother's side, she had type one diabetes and she, that's what claimed her life. Now, later, my grandmother and my grandfather both developed type 2 diabetes. So, that's a risk factor in my family. My uncle, on my dad's side of the family, has diabetes as well. And he is treating it with insulin pills. Um, now, aging is, um, another factor, um, now, when I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, I was diagnosed about seven, eight years ago, seven years, no, it'll be eight years in August, no, yeah, it'll be eight years in August, and so I would have been around 40, when I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. And so, there is, you know, as you get older, your metabolism slows. And honestly, when I was having all of these problems, that's what I attributed it to, was just, I was getting older, and my metabolism was starting to tank And that's what some of the doctors and nurse practitioners were telling me too. Was that you're getting older and your metabolism isn't going to be what it normally is when you're younger. So I kind of fell into that trap of lies and uh, just let things ride. Um, According to this though, it says... The American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists states that thyroid problems affect 1 in 8 women ages 35 to 65 and 1 in 5 women 20% over 65. So I fell into I fall into that age range. I was one of 8 women in the 35 to 65 age range, and um, that's kind of a sobering thought, but, you know, again, uh, I wasn't being tested like I am now to know that I needed to start managing this at an earlier age. Um, also, fertility, Pregnancy and hormonal issues. Again, according to the American Medical Women's Association, women are five to eight times more likely to suffer from an overactive or underactive thyroid. Approximately one woman in eight will develop a thyroid disorder during her lifetime. And so... Um, Again, that just reinforces um, that women are more likely than men to suffer from um, this due to the constant fluctuation in hormones and um, our, our state of menses, which is menstruation menopause well I was forced into menopause because I had a hysterectomy and I um I was I had my hysterectomy around the same time that I had my that I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism I was pretty much dealt a double whammy double whammy um and so, uh, that caused me to really, well, I struggled a lot that year with my health. Um, smoking and smoking cessation. Well, I don't smoke, um, but there are women, um, uh, there are people that do smoke and I I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I I would encourage you that if you do smoke to kind of be mindful of that and think about quitting. Um, Yeah, it would not only help your thyroid, but it would help a lot of other things. But again, I'm not going to tell you that you, you know, stop smoking. I'm. I leave that these decisions up to you and your uh, nurse practitioner, doctor, primary care physician, whatever you, wherever you go to get your medical help from. Um, drugs. Um, there are things that uh, you. Uh, there are drugs that are, can cause. Uh, hypothyroidism or contribute it, contribute to it uh, such as um, lithium which is used to treat bipolar diseases disease and other conditions and the heart drug cordor cordorone c o r d a r o n e if anybody knows how to pronounce that please let me know cuz I think I pronounced it right but I'm not sure. There is other drugs that can, that may cause hypothyroidism which is glucocorticoid adrenal steroids like prednisone and hydrocortisone propanol a beta, propan propanol a beta blocker I think I said that right. Aminoglutamide, a drug used for breast and prostate cancer treatment. Ketoconazole, an antifungal. Paraminosilicic acid, a tuberculosis drug. Sulfonamide drugs, including sulfonamide. The diazine and acetoselamide, which have been used as diuretics and antibiotics, sulfonylureas, including tolbutamide and chlorpropamide, which is used for diabetes drugs, relaxin, evista, a drug for osteoporosis, carbamazepine, ox. Carbizipin and valproate drugs for epilepsy. Anti-thyroid drugs, including propylthiouracil. P-T-U, I'm not exactly sure if I pronounced that right. It's spelled P-R-P-L-P-R-O-P-L-Y-T-H-I-O-U-R-I-C-I-L. Methimazole, tapazole, and Carbimazole can, of course, also cause hypothyroidism. Um, I, again, I may have totally murdered all of those drug names. And if anybody out there would like to correct me, I welcome the correction. Um... Because I want to make sure I get this right for people. Also, iodine imbalances. Uh, Severe iodine deficiency is known to cause hypothyroidism. So that's one of the things that they ask you to uh, look at increasing when you become diagnosed. You can get iodized salt. Anywhere that you buy groceries at. Um, I to I, I don't have it highlighted in here, but um, alcohol during pregnancy. Um, I never drank when I was pregnant with either of my children. So um, I, I would encourage you that if you are pregnant or working on becoming pregnant to consider... Giving up alcohol. Uh, again, I'm not telling you, I'm just asking you to consider that. Um, overconsumption of goit- goiterogenic foods such as Brussels sprouts, rutabaga, turnips, kohlrabi, radishes, cauliflower, African cassava, millet. Babassu, which is a palm tree coconut fruit, popular in Brazil and Africa. Cabbage, kale, soy products. Again, there's the soy. I I've been uh, a very strong proponent of giving up soy, and I did it, and it has worked. Horseradish, mustard, corn, broccoli, turnips. Carrots, peaches, strawberries, peanuts, spinach, watercress, mustard greens, and walnuts. And also, infants that are on a sole diet of soy formula. So, the deck is stacked against us with the soy industry from the beginning on that. Um, now, you can cook the cabbage and the kale and the carrots and the broccoli and all of that if you cook those then it um it releases the goitrogenic uh or the goitrogens uh that are in the food in those foods uh again here we go Overconsumption of soy products, uh, this is antithyroid, and can have long-term goitrogenic, goitri, goitrogenic effects. Long-term oh, consumption of soy products can promote the formation of goiters and the development of autoimmune thyroid disease. So... Again, soy is in a lot of things that we don't think it's in. Um, Your breads, uh, your mayonnaise, your salad dressings, Um, the list just goes on and on and on. I have some stuff on my Instagram that I've posted that shows you what are... Soy-free options with mayonnaise and salad dressing. And I've also made a couple of YouTube videos. And I'll put those links in the description uh, to the podcast. Environmental exposures. This was a huge eye-opener for me. um, Because I was researching some stuff in my county and wow uh that's going to be a whole other podcast um so some of the environmental exposures can be x-ray and radiation treatments now if you have been diagnosed with a thyroid condition Um, It is recommended that you ask for a thyroid or a throat guard when you get x-rays so that the radiation from the x-rays doesn't further damage your thyroid. So that's one of the things when I have to go get x-rays or a, a mammogram, I make sure and I let them know that I have hypothyroidism so that they know to make sure to... Uh, proceed with the x-ray or mammogram um, with that in mind and take the necessary precautions. Uh, Now, this was something I did not know. Nasal radium treatments. Uh, This says that during the 1940s through the 1960s, nasal radium therapy was a treatment used for tonsillitis, colds, recurrent adenoid problems, and for military submariners and pilots who had trouble with changes in pressure. So if you were born between the 1940s and the 1960s, uh, and you may have had nasal radium therapy, you may be at risk for hypothyroidism. Again, I would discuss that with your doctor. Infections. Um, well, I had a severe infection from my first pregnancy. I had a C-section. So that could have also led to me being hypothyroid hypothyroid. Severe snake bite. I've never been bitten by a snake. But they say that uh, that is a factor. That was surprising to me. Neck trauma and whiplash. It says that trauma to the neck can uh, cause hypothyroidism, or uh, you know, because it's a uh, in that area. It says due to injury to the thyroid tissues. it themselves. Um that can be a, a consideration. Nuclear plant exposure. We have a nuclear power plant in the next county over, and uh, which is Potawatomi County in Kansas. And it is called the Jeffries Nuclear Power Plant. And so I would be really interested to f- see if there is any correlation between the people that live around Jeffries. Uh, I'd say, you know, uh, not only in Pottawatomie County, but the surrounding counties, if there is any correlation between Jeffries and the residents of the, I would say, four or five counties that uh, would be within that area um, if they have thyroid issues or uh, maybe have have had thyroid issues this whole time and didn't know about it. Um, This one was kind of interesting. Perchlorate Exposure The source of perchlorate drinking water at many sites is the defense industry in the past production of solid rocket propellants and rocket fuel. With perchlorate as a byproduct, poor disposed practices, industrial accidents, and agricultural fertilizers are suspended as the sources of contamination in drinking water by perchlorate. So, um, again, drinking water, uh, I've said, I've mentioned this in a previous podcast, and I think I've also talked about it on a YouTube video. You need to drink filtered water as much as possible. Um... I will I'll, I'll also talk about some of the things I do about that in a future podcast. Exposure to other toxic chemicals. Um, some chemicals of concern include dioxins, methyl, tertiary, buryl ether known as MTBE. And oxygenerate added to gasoline and other chemicals that act as endocrine disruptors. Um, Tereznercin, which goes by the brand name Scourge, and Sumithrin, which goes by the name of Anvil, Redsmith and sematherin synthetic pyrothyroid insecticides are registered with the Environmental Protection Agency for use in mosquito control. And some people, allergic responses to pyrothyroids have been reported. There are also indications that pyrithyroid pyrethroid, pyrethroid as a class may interfere with the immune and endocrine systems and they may also have effects on the liver and thyroid um, which have been reported in toxicology testing. Uh, There is a list of chemicals known to be disruptive or toxic to the immune system and or thyroid toxic um, uh, at www.scorecard.org. Now, when I went to that site, I found a lot of surprising data with the state or, say, say, the county that I live in. And, um, I'll be talking about that in a future episode as well. So, um... I know I threw a lot at you on this, um, there's a whole lot more things that I want to talk about, um, with this, uh, with risk factors, um, but for now I am going to, so I don't go longer than 30 minutes on this, um, I'm going to leave these this rest for this episode. Um, these are just uh, uh, a uh, small, huh, yet overwhelming uh, list of risk factors for hypothyroidism. And again, some of these just pertain to me, and um, that's why I have highlighted them and talked about them um but there's there's a whole other another, there's still a whole half a chapter on this to talk about so with that being said, I appreciate you listening and again, if there's anything that I may have severely mispronounced, please let me know um Either, let, please let me know on um, Facebook at um, the Facebook Messenger, uh, which is uh, just my profile, Joe Shire. Um So, with that being said, Thank you for listening to my podcast, My Hypothyroidism Journey. And have a good day. And I look forward to hearing uh, what your thoughts are on some of these things. Uh, Have a good day. Bye.